Welcome back to The Reset Rebel with me, Joe Yule, and we are still in Goa in our special guest residency slot here in the south of Goa uh, on today's edition of the podcast. And I'm very lucky to have ferreted out a fellow island resident uh, to join me on today's show. And that is the ambassador and spokesperson for the Fearless Dreams Project, which we're going to hear all about um, shortly. I'm just sitting here drinking coffee in the lovely lounge near Patnam Beach with Alex. Hello. <laughs> good afternoon. How are you doing? I'm very well. Uh, yeah, I'm good. It's kind of strange to be in Goa and then to also be faced with a beautiful fellow islander in front of me. Exactly. I was going to say, fancy seeing you here. <laughs> fancy seeing you here. <laughs> yeah, it's... Um, I don't know, really. I mean, obviously, this wasn't planned, but we do have lots and lots of mutual friends, and I have uh, admired your work from afar over the years since I've been living in Ibiza. And you, obviously, you know, I think the first thing I kind of noticed about was that you were doing some um, performance plays in Ibiza in some lots of very unusual venues around the island, lots of little um, nooks and crannies that kind of inspire creativity in Ibiza. And it, it's something that I've kind of seen you putting out there across like social platforms and things, and, and always wanted to attend. But I've never had the pleasure. Uh, of coming to one of your plays before. Oh, okay, so you'll have to come to the next one. But I think it was, you know, for me, it was really strange to kind of arrive in Ibiza and, you know, when I moved to Ibiza two years ago, I was there very much to continue my wellness path and to to focus on my writing and I started a food blog and, a new, you know, like, you know, around alternative healing and using nutrition for healing. And that was the path that I really felt that I was going to take when I arrived in Ibiza and then I arrived and all of a sudden you know I was approached um, by by someone and we, we we did a play and I ended up acting again because I was acting in London so it just sort of was this natural progression that I never really thought would happen in Ibiza because it was much of a surprise to me that there was some theatre that was going to be happening uh, so that was fun and enjoyable and I think it's really important to have those you know those kind of creative outlets for yourself and I think that Ibiza really holds space for you in that way everybody is involved and invested in sort of creating and collaborating with each other so you have like a huge pool of writers and and directors and musicians and singers and artists and wonderful magical people um, which I guess I hadn't even really considered they would even be there I I felt like I was moving to Ibiza and, you know, it would just be all yoga and um, and green juice. And then, obviously, there's always the hedonistic side. But, uh, yeah, my focus was very much on my wellness path. So it was, it was a pleasure for me to embrace, you know, my creative artist and to be able to do that in Ibiza and to be able to share that through the medium of, of theatre. Um, and I guess... I guess what it's kind of given me is, you know, this wonderful sense of community on the island, which is important. Um, And also it's opened things up with other projects and other people. Um, And what's been really noticeable over 
the last year or so is that you know there's lots of people collaborating both creatively and also creatively collaborating you know for for the purpose of others to help serve others and um you know i come from an acting background i trained as an actress i was working as an actress um and so i always wanted to try and find a way how could i utilize those skills um but also using you, you know my my journey from cancer um, how- which is what we want to talk to you about yes. so I, this fearless dreams project if you can kind of tell us a little bit about that because obviously that's kind of brought yeah. about by your set of circumstances that you're calling your wellness path which nobody really knows exactly yes. what it was that brought you to the world of wellness as this podcast always does have a wellness link from someone who's come <laughs> to Ibiza and reset their path in life so you were coming to the island to try and focus on kind of staying well and um, I call it walking the path of the yogic lord so basically yeah going there to stay well and be well and continue the journey that you'd started before you arrived but what was it what is the fearless dreams so okay so to give you a bit of background I think I tried to smoke and mirrors it with with theatre and uh, creative projects but actually you know the essence of what we're trying to speak about here is that you know my my journey really uh, and where I come from is that for most of my adult life so far, um, you know, I was very hedonistic. Uh, I lived, you know, a very wonderful life, but I, it was also very toxic. And, you know, I was a party girl and, you know, and that was my life. And even though I was sort of in denial, I guess, thinking that what I was doing was the same as everybody else, so it wasn't really that bad, you know, simultaneously it was having a huge negative effect on bag crash (laughs) what it was doing was simultaneously having an effect you know on my health and a detrimental effect and so in 2012 you know after uh after I think it must it was about June June 2012 I'd had a baby the year previously so it was my third child you know my child had just turned one and I got diagnosed with breast cancer and that completely turned everything upside down and put everything into question. Um, the long and short of it is, is that I'm still alive. Um, but my journey to sort of where I am now wasn't, I guess, always so so straight in terms of knowing what was good for my body. I had no idea. I thought I was healthy. I ate some salmon and broccoli, and I thought that that was good enough. So from my cancer diagnosis, I re-educated myself I went on an alternative healing path Uh, I also tried chemotherapy for a brief a brief moment we had a brief rendezvous Um, but then very much the alternative path was was what healed me um, ultimately and when I two years ago when I what was the alternative path though many many things Um, so to, to sort of name just a few I I guess uh, yoga was a big part of that. Yoga was definitely my staple and my anchor into into staying not only sane but to to be staying well in mind, body, and spirit. Um, it also gave me a, a sense of community because I I didn't really have a community other than the sort of party people that were around me. So yoga was was my my anchor. Nutrition, so lots of juicing and plant based foods. Um, I used high-dose intravenous vitamin C. 
I injected mistletoe into my tummy. I did uh, urine rubbing over my face and my body and urine drinking, which we'll go into another time. Can't wait for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sounds like, yeah, very kind of, well, very yoga. I mean, I've read a lot of... Um, books about sort of teacher trainings that incorporate that and I've, I've heard it's incredibly successful I mean really they do say even like if you've got a cold sore just to put um, urine on it is is one of the you know quickest ways to heal so that doesn't surprise me but um we'll hear more about that yeah so it well it was a you know you, it has an alkalizing effect on your body and it also has a draw so if you're in you know if you're going through detoxification which is what what I was doing also is I did this 12-month full-body detoxification program. The urine helps to pull that out because once you're detoxing and putting all these wonderful things into your body, like green juice and supplements and high-dose you know, vitamin C, and I also did ozone therapy and a whole host of things, you know, you're pushing toxins around your body and you have to eliminate them. So there are the obvious ways to eliminate them, but your body needs help with this extra load of toxins. So urine is a really good way for that, um, to, to assist that to come out. <laughs> uh, and, 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 and when I moved to the island, it was, you know, it was kind of to continue, to continue with that path. It doesn't always work out like that. I would, you know, would be lying if I said that the path was smooth and it was always purist. That's, that's not what it has been for me, but what it has given me is this chance to continually reset. And I think that one of my biggest fears when I had cancer and I chose this alternative healing path was, oh God, am I going to have to be a saint forever? Am I going to have to be a purist? Am I really going to never enjoy an alcoholic drink or, you know, a puff on a cigarette or or just, or just something that was toxic? I, I couldn't... I knew who I was as a person and I knew that to kind of commit to being saintly and purist was was probably going to set myself up for failure. So it was hard. It was hard to make that decision. And but what do you think actually caused the cancer? Because you talked about this toxic lifestyle that you had, but you haven't really told us anything more than that. Where do you think it actually kind of um, manifested from? So... This is, always a, this is always a tricky one to answer because obviously we never really know. And I've made peace with not really knowing and not always having the answers. However, my cancer was in my left breast. Uh, the left side of our body is associated with our, you know, our feminine side, our mothers, our sisters, our daughters. And I feel that, you know, throughout my life I had, you know, many kind of emotional traumas um, that would have, you know, would have contributed to the stress on my body. So there was emotional toxicity and physical toxicity. I was very much depleted by the time I got to 30. I'd just finished my degree um, at acting school. I'd had a baby. I'd moved house. I'd renovated a house. You know, I wasn't taking care of myself. I wasn't giving myself self-love. Um, I was trying to juggle three children, motherhood, being a perfect wife, being a perfect friend, you know, being a perfect mother and, you know, also trying to to look good. There's many social pressures that are associated with being a woman and we feel that if we don't fulfill this, you know, spectrum of of things that we must be, I think we feel shame. It, we're ashamed in some way. Um, and, and I feel that that's really, for me, 
that's where I feel my where and why I feel my cancer manifested was this kind of deeply held shame that I'd always had that I was never good enough I was not you know successful enough I didn't have the career I didn't have you know maybe I hadn't tidied my house maybe I'd messed up cooking a meal or I was a bad wife or a bad friend because I hadn't rung that person back or I'd shouted at my children I mean you know my day was full of things that that caused me to feel shame from a very young age I was a mother at 18 so for me I feel that it was that it was this this shame that I held on the left side of my body that was associated with not being good enough as as a woman and when I mean I was only out uh, yesterday evening at the Dali Cafe which is a beautiful place here in Patnam and one of the clients actually on my retreat that I'm holding here she she had breast cancer as well and she was kind of telling me the whole story actually over a, over a gin and tonic as you do on a yoga retreat <laughs> uh, on the gin and yin yoga retreat and um she was kind of telling me about how it was when she received the actual news itself and mm-hmm. you know she actually found this lump in her breast herself when she was on the beach and then she went in and had the scan and then you know the number of staff kind of multiplied as she was called back into the room to be given the diagnosis. And, you know, she knew in that moment with someone there from Marie Curie and another doctor and a senior doctor Mm. and a, you know, a grief counsellor and all that kind of stuff started to come into the mix before she'd even heard what was going on. So when was that kind of moment that you received that piece of news and how was it? Oh, well, it was... So I remember it. I remember it like a dream. And I think every woman... Will I, you know, every woman will probably identify with the, the, those sort of feelings that you go through when you check your breasts. And whether you've had cancer or not, there will be moments where you, you'll do your breast check and you'll be like, oh my God, is, is that a lump? What is that? It, could it be? You know, because obviously our breast tissue changes throughout our monthly cycle. And so, you know, I know many friends that have questioned, you know, what's going on in their bodies. But the moment that I found my lump, it was like it appeared from nowhere. I I literally woke up one morning, and at that time I had humongous breasts. I had like 32 double F breasts. They were enormous, and <laughs> you look you look shocked. And uh, and I remember kind of lifting myself up out of bed. I was exhausted from you know waking up through the night with my baby at the time. My baby. I say you were breastfeeding. Yeah, and I and I. And I, I sort of would get up in the morning and lift my breasts up to give my back a little bit of respite. And I shuffled to the toilet and I sat on the loo and did my morning pee and held my breasts. I mean, that is as much as my breast check was, was just to sort of hold them there. Um, mainly so they didn't just pull me straight to the floor because they were so, so ridiculously large. And uh, And there it was, this lump. And it was big and it was... It was undeniable. Like, I, there was no question. I knew. I was like, this is a lump. This is a very big lump, and this is completely alien to my body. And my heart sank, and I was like, oh, God. You know, and I went through all of the emotions of, like, you know, fear and picturing myself with cancer. And, and, and that picture wasn't really the picture of someone with cancer. That picture was, in my mind, was the one that we all know very well, which is that picture of somebody who's just gone through 
many cycles of chemotherapy and they have no hair and they look like a skeleton. You know, it's that. That was what was in my mind. Death, basically. Um, although that sounds quite dramatic as I say it. Da, da, da. But it was. I was like, I'm going to die. Um, who's going to look after my children? My situation was super complicated with, you know, I have three children by three different fathers and I just thought, oh my God, how, how will, how will this go? Who will do the, who will do the, you know, the hair? Who will do the hair of my daughters? And just the, the, the little things that kind of run through your mind as a mother. And so I took myself to the doctors. They whizzed me within a week into the hospital and like before you know it, within, you know, a couple of weeks, I think, I was rushed into that room with a... Um, oh, that was the Patnam train. How do you love yes, that in the background? Yes, it's there. It's there. <laughs> Two o'clock in the morning, six o'clock in the morning. Four o'clock in the morning, on yes. the hour, every hour. There it goes. <laughs> there it goes. The thing is, is when I try to take it, it never turns up. Which oh, of is course. Like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it just, it's just there to keep you awake and remind you you're still alive. You know, you're yeah. still here, Alex. Here it comes. <laughs> get some binoculars and do a bit of train spotting next time I come over yeah okay <laughs> so so I guess uh has it passed will it I'm quite it, enjoying the uh yeah the background punctuation it's a real kind of one of those sounds of India like the the, the sound of the train track mm-hmm. along with the crows and the monkeys and the cows and the dogs Oh, there's plenty of noises to uh, make the mind boggle at night time as to what that actual rustling noise or extreme, uh, yeah, cacophony could be. And the bad techno music that you sometimes hear, that, yeah, that keeps you up. So I was kind of shuffled into this, into this room with a consultant, with the, with the Macmillan nurse, and, and there it was. Oh, you know, you have, you have cancer and it's like, whoa, you just sort of, the mind swells and and the, the the heart swells and you kind of lose all the sensation in your body and it's like you're going down the rabbit hole and even now when I talk about it like everything feels super numb because you just you 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 don't have the information at that stage to know that you are going to be okay you don't know about the whole host of other things that are out there in the world for you to to help you with your cancer. You don't even really know what cancer is because you've never, well, I had never experienced it before. Um, so all I knew is what they were telling me, which was this very strange percentage of my survival rate. And, you know, they gave me some leaflets and they said I had to have an operation and I had to have chemotherapy and I have to have radiation. And, and that was it. And off you go. And so it was it was fear. Like, I was fear-stricken. I was distraught. Like, how would I tell my children? How would I tell my mother? You know, when I did eventually tell my mother and my children, you know, the, the sounds, you know, that, that came out of them, the, the, the sadness and the tears were, you know, they were haunt, haunt me forever. And I write about that in, in my book um, that I'm writing at the moment. And it's, it's haunting. It's a haunting experience. And I think that what the Fearless Dreams Project is trying to do uh, and and I guess what I'm trying to share with my story and in my book and with anyone that wants to speak to me about, their, about cancer is that, you know, you have to address that fear first because whatever you choose for your healing path, whether it's alternative or conventional, you have to get a hold of the fear. You have to 
understand what it is and you have to find a way to switch it and turn it into some sort of brave crusade that you're going to go on you know whether it's this chemotherapy you have to be able to know 100% that you are doing that chemotherapy because you believe in in its power and you believe that it's going to heal heal you you have to have that faith and and with with all of these projects that kind of are happening around us you know at the moment I think more and more that's what the message is is there is fear but you turn it into faith and then you tread your path you make your choices from a place of faith rather than a place of fear oh is there another train coming and it's gone it's coming um so I feel that you know that really when I after I finished doing the play with uh with Secret Gigs Ibiza which has kind of evolved wonderfully into World Unplugged um, after that, I kind of felt like, okay, you know, I've had this wonderful creative artistic fix and it was, you know, such a joy to be part of that project on the island, to be part of this cultural movement. So what's next? And then I was approached by these amazing women who have a film production company and none, neither of, neither of these women have had cancer it's it's not something that has touched their life but it was something that they really wanted to get a hold on for for you know for the for for a purpose for for not for but I guess in order to be able to serve others and help them they're like okay look we can make films and we can do beautiful pictures how can we give back with our with our creativity to to help people and you know there's there's many survivors that are living on the island um wonderful wonderful women and men this project in particular is is focused on on women at the moment how can we give back to them creatively and so it's taken the women it's taken their story and it's given them a space to be able to share their message and it's given them this beautiful footage uh, and it shows them in their power rather than in their distraught state when they're going through cancer so it what it's doing is giving other women or other people that are going through cancer this kind of this hopeful image of cancer rather than this this image that we're given with our diagnosis, which is, okay, this is going to be pretty horrific. You're going to be unwell. You're going to have to go through this and, and you're going to have to experience, you know, toxicity and, and hair loss. And it's going to affect how you are as a woman. It's going to affect your body shape. You know, many women go for a full mastectomy and, you know, how does that feel as a woman? How does that uh, affect your identity as a woman? Um, and so what this project wants to do is to take these women and to give them this, this sense of femininity again, this sense of power and strength from within, that they've come through their challenge and now here they are. So it gives something to them individually. They get to see themselves made up with these beautiful pictures and, and sharing their story from this place of empowerment. And it can also be shared with millions of others who are going through that and they can go okay this woman this woman used cbd oil this woman you know used used a nutritional therapy this did you use cbd oil i use cbd oil now for my maintenance it wasn't so easily available when i was going through my diagnosis but it's definitely something that's in my daily maintenance and so that's what i have i have like my daily 
my daily things that I do each day to keep myself in tune with my body and you know and, and okay and I guess it's working nothing is perfect I definitely do not speak from some sort of higher place of green juice and yoga you know I'm a normal person and I embrace both sides of myself fully but it's very important that you have this kind of consistency in your in your life that that enables you to keep in check with your health um, you know, I know women on the island and in other parts of the world that have gone to Peru and they've used plant medicine. I also know women that went through uh, conventional treatment. They had mastectomies, they had their lumps removed, they had the chemotherapy, they had the radiotherapy, but afterwards, and this is the key, afterwards they reset themselves. They they knew that their bodies were malfunctioning because that was ever present in their cancer, you know, they had cancer. So if you're someone that's had cancer, something is not right. There is some something that is in disharmony within your body. And so after they'd gone through the conventional treatment, they made it their priority to, to, to heal themselves and reboot their immune system. And whether they've done that with yoga and nutrition and alternative therapies, the whole host of things that would have been, av- that are available to us, you know, each one has chosen something different. So, those are the those are also quite remarkable women because they've done it all you know i you know i i did one round of chemo um i f- i didn't believe in it it wasn't something that was right for me and that became very present within a week of of having it because i felt my body shutting down and i'd gone from someone with cancer who had spent 3 months you know applying myself with beetroot juice and wheatgrass and turmeric and, you know, yoga and Essiac tea and focusing on alkalizing my cells and hydrating my body. And I felt amazing. With cancer, I felt the best I'd ever felt in my whole entire life. And I looked the best I'd ever felt. Then I had chemotherapy and within a week, I lost my hair. I was sick. I had the flu. I had bone pain, stomach pain, I wanted to kill myself. You know, as dramatic as all of these things as all of these things sound, that was where I was in my life. And I knew that if I'd carried on with it for me, it's a personal journey. It what was at the end of it was the end of my life. How many sessions of chemo did you have? One. One. And I spent and you have one every like the kind of general thing is you have one that blasts you and then three weeks later you have the next cycle and the kind of common situation is you have six cycles of chemotherapy and then 15 cycles of radiotherapy and so after one session within two weeks I changed my mind and I emailed my my oncologist and I was like you know what this isn't for me um I feel like I'm dying I'm gonna find another way and so I did and uh uh, and and yeah and then, and then I guess the rest is history as they say how do you feel about all of that now I mean in terms of what you've achieved that's like amazing <laughs> excuse me um you mean how do I feel about solving this e- extreme crisis in your vessel <laughs> yourself <sighs> I don't know I feel like I, you know, I, I'm so glad I made that choice. In many ways, I'm so glad that I also tried the chemotherapy because now that's another drug I can tick off my list that I've experienced in life. 
<laughs> to talk candidly. But, you know, I'm, I'm only just really coming to terms with it all. You know, I'm, I'm nearly seven years on, and I think that when I had cancer, I was on an almighty high. Like, I was on this fierce personal quest to heal myself, and there was no room for anything else in my life. And, you know, I was so supported and so held by all the people around me. I was just running on this euphoria you know I was learning stuff every day that I never knew I was educating myself and you know on foods and nutrition and and different healing therapies and my world was being opened up to all these crazy wonderful people and it was it was brilliant and it became part of my identity and then after you know after a certain amount of time when you begin to sink back into your into a little bit of normality again, whatever that is, I think, you know, you're left with a little bit of post-traumatic stress, I think. And the fact that you go through something, your body kind of, your body gives you everything it needs to get through that, you know, that, I don't want to call it trauma, but that event in your life. And then afterwards, you have to deal with the emotions of it all. You know, not only the, the how much it kind of traumatized your, you know, you as a person, but also the ones that you love around you. How it has affected your relationships. Those change. You know, you change. You change as a as 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 a cancer survivor. Your life is not the same anymore. And so you become different. You know, my, my girls, you know, who are now 21 and nearly 17, oh my goodness, they, they knew me as mummy with long red hair and, you know, huge boobs and who was kind of, you know, into what I was into at that time. That was how they, they, they identified, you know, t- t- with me as a mother. And, and so their memories of me when they were younger are very different to the ones now because I've really changed as a person and that's very hard you know I was somebody that would you know try to to god turn myself inside out to you know to provide nutritious meals for my children and cook everything from scratch and when those meals those people pleasing meals that I was always giving you know giving to them on the table each day for dinner they they had gone from you know shepherd's pie and chicken pie and obviously an array of vegetables because I was trying to be perfect they'd gone from that to okay here's a raw vegan burger I've been dehydrating it for two days and here's some sweet potato wedges or something like that with some raw broccoli and spiralized courgette and you know, and there's a bit of sauerkraut and all these other things that I kind of discovered seven years ago that I'd never even heard of. And they're like looking at me thinking, I'm not eating that. You know, who are you? You know, who are you? What are you doing? I became obsessed with yoga or obsessed with healing. You know, all the people around me were, were obsessed with spirituality and meditation. And, and it wasn't, you know, not saying that that was a negative influence in their life, but they were you know, that was a big change for them as well. So I'm sort of now, I guess, scooping up the fallout of those those changes. And I guess what I 
didn't anticipate is that there would still be emotions to deal with. And that's another big thing, because you're like, yes, I'm alive, I, I'm cancer-free on last check, and I'm breathing, and here I am. But, you know, there's a big emotional um, part to, to healing your cancer as well, and that's where I am now. That's, you know, my, the next part so of So if somebody day. else catches or obviously gets this piece of news, what's, you know, we're, we're coming to the end, but what is the biggest piece of advice you would give them? I mean, if I you know, found that out tomorrow. I mean, I really don't even know where I'd begin with what steps I would take, even having listened to everything you said and other people I've kind of spoken to about it. It just, it is, it's the fear thing, isn't it? It's the absolute terror and having to do all that research and kind of figure out how you're going to tackle it. And it's a minefield. You know, it's a a minefield. It's a minefield and a minefield. So it's, I would say, breathe, don't panic know that what you're being told in your diagnosis is only a very small percentage of you know of what is out there and what is available to you mm-hmm. do your research the doctors will tell you to not go and google to not go and research and i understand why because there's so much information out there and it's information overload but with the internet and people you know that are sort of the ways that we can connect with people these days i would say get out there and connect with as many people as you can and find out find out everything that you can follow your intuition find people that are survivors listen to their stories you know find out what other people did and find what resonates with you protect yourself protect yourself from you know from the fear of of your family members and your loved ones and that might sound quite selfish but you have to because your life depends on it you are not responsible for everybody else's fear you have to go and deal with your own stuff first and you know my three big things that I would say to anybody that's just got cancer if you can just do anything straight away it would be buy a really good quality water filter and hydrate your body lock yourself away for a little bit do your research and go and do some yoga and then tackle the minefield of research and information that's out there and you know connect to facebook groups so you know i have some facebook groups that are going on one's called the cancer coven that now has 100 members all people finding ways to to heal their cancer in lots of in lots of different ways both conventionally and alternative there's the fearless dreams project in ibiza you know reach out reach out and um, and see what comes back and you might have a little gift that you can offer back in the true tradition of this podcast yes. to end. What are we? Um, what, what, what is it that you're going to be able to give away for us? So I'm going to to gift somebody a a bottle of CBD oil. Um, so all the information, um, if they contact you, I can send them all the information on how that works within the body. Um, it's not something that I would say, oh, take and it's going to get rid of your cancer or, or, or heal you. It's definitely something to be used as part of a, a, you know, a holistic healing process. It works as an adaptogen in the body um, and it can really help with balancing out your stress and anxiety levels and kind of bringing the body back into balance so it's it's an assist um so yes that's my gift to to anybody out there who wins it anyway how does that work is it like potluck or people have to recommend 
People just write in um, to the show to just the good news please at gmail.com and they give us a reason why they feel that they or somebody they're nominating um, deserves this um, this free gift and that is the first one of 2019. We've got Woo-hoo! lots of other free <laughs> things to give away on the Reset Rebel podcast over the coming year, but if you do drop us a line to just the good news please at gmail.com we will put you in touch with Alex. Alex, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure to be in your beautiful go and dream home. <laughs> and um, yeah, we'll see you back in Ibiza. Thank you. See you in Ibiza very, very soon, my darling. Reset Rebel. It's the Reset Rebel. It's the Reset Rebel. It's the Reset Rebel.